Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you for raising Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit, for being the power that raised him from the dead. Thank you. You see, why, you see why the Trinity always have to feature in any song like this? Because it took such collaborative power to get Jesus raised from the dead. The Father sent the power of the highest into that tomb that day. And Jesus rose up quickened by the glory of the Father. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for resurrection. Thank you for resurrection. We are excited about it. We, we shout about it. We, ex, we, we, just, we just rejoice about it. Because that's, that's the essence of our faith. That's the essence of our believing. Father, we give you praise. Lord, as we go into your word this morning, we pray that everyone is liberated by the power of your spoken word in the name of Jesus. That we see deeper into the realities of resurrection. And beyond just hearing a good word today, we pray that our lives every single day will be lived after the order of resurrection in the name of Jesus for in Jesus precious name we have prayed amen can we rejoice one more time rejoice 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 hallelujah glory to God forever amen and amen let's have our seats in God's presence welcome your neighbor to church all right welcome your neighbor to church uh, how did we put it happy Jesus resurrection Sunday <laughs> amen fantastic such a good day to be alive amen we ought to actually celebrate Easter far more than we do Christmas all right the essence for Christmas was Easter all right so um, we with understanding we understand what happened at Easter and, and we we have that understanding and we live according to that level of understanding that we have amen napkins and linen amen we're not in kitchen today <laughs> praise God we're, we're trying to unearth what the Lord did for us so I would like us to begin by reading the entire chapter of John 20 well not the entire chapter but a, a bulk of it John chapter 20 from verse 1 to 9 I'll read verse 1 you read verse 2 and we alternate till we get to verse 9 is that fine can I have our feedback is that fine amen and amen Praise God. Are you excited to be in church this morning? Hallelujah. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, early when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth that the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Verse 2. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre. <laughs> Verse 3. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, mischievous disciple, and came to the sepulchre. Verse 4. Can we read with zest, okay? With gusto in our voice. Verse 5. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Verse 6. Wow. Verse 7. And the napkin that was about his head 
not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Can we read verse 9 together once? Can we start again? For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Very interesting story right there. John chapter 20, we see three people witness resurrection that morning. So Sunday morning, Mary of Magdala came to the sepulcher to observe what had happened to the body of Jesus. And Bible says when she observed the tomb, she saw that the stone was rolled away. She didn't bother to check in. She just observed that the stone was rolled away. So she ran, all right, to tell Peter and John. And our narrative was the fact that his body was stolen, that there was a body haste. All right, of Jesus Christ and his body had been taken away. She had not verified it, all right, because that was her revelation of resurrection. At that time, if you had asked Mary, what happened if there was, you know, Channel TV pointing the mic at her and saying, can you tell us what happened at resurrection? What she would have said was that they've stolen his body. So it was a partial revelation of what happened at resurrection. And then of course she narrated the story to John and Peter. And the Bible talks about how mischievous John says, uh, I don't know why he keeps putting this kind of details. I don't know. What are you trying to prove? But he goes, he goes ahead and says, you see, he told um, Mary told Peter and that disciple whom the Lord loves. And the Bible says that he also narrated that, of course, you know, Peter started the journey, but John outran him. Why are you giving us all these details? They just moved to the sepulchre. That's the cocoa. But he keeps giving these little details just to put some spotlight on himself, which is fine. And then he goes, and, and, and they get to the sepulchre. So, so John says he outran Peter. And when they get to the sepulchre, because he outran Peter, he got to the sepulchre before Peter. But you see, he only stooped down to see inside. He stooped down to see inside and all he saw was the linen clothes lying on the floor. Then Peter came in and went in. And then sees the entire picture. He sees the napkin that wrapped the head of Jesus, wrapped by itself and put in one corner. And then he sees the linen clothes on the floor. Of course, the stone was rolled away. Three different perspectives of the same event, resurrection. So there are people who are like Mary Magdalene. To them, this is a body haste. Their revelation of resurrection is from a distance. Jesus had been taken away. His body had been stolen. It was not a full picture. Even if they had a sense that, okay, something is likely going to happen on the third day. That was why she visited the first place. But now our interpretation of what had happened was that Jesus' body had been taken away. Then John came to the same place and then John sees that the bodies linen cloth that was used to wrap the body was on the ground so it's perhaps certain that Jesus is no longer there why he's no longer there what happens after he's left we do not know as far as John's revelation could take us but then Peter comes into the scene and sees the entire piece of the jigsaw puzzle he sees the entire narrative and I'll tell you why eventually God ensured that Peter was the first to see it amen we can't afford to be religious about our understanding of resurrection. Some people only see the stone rolled away. All, all they see about resurrection is the stone rolled away. We can't afford to be overly zealous about resurrection because John was zealous. He outran Peter, but he didn't see the full picture eventually. But Peter, the head of the church at the time, God gave him the 
the power and the responsibility and the privilege to see for the very first time the entire perspective that needs to be passed to the next generations. And so we need to understand that the revelation about resurrection is so powerful and it's so deep that we need to pay attention to what is going on else you can have partial revelation like Mary, partial scene like John but you need to have the full picture to understand exactly what happened why was the napkin wrapped by itself put in one corner why was the linen found on the ground do you ask these questions when you read your bible these are the questions that you need to ask why was the linen what was God what was Jesus trying to communicate to Peter because he knew Peter was the first guy that will see this what was he trying to communicate to Peter what was he trying to tell the church bible says and John came in after Peter had seen it and bible says John also believed what was Jesus trying to say about his resurrection so there are different dimensions of revelation about resurrection that we need to pay attention to this morning I'll be sharing with you about seven of them and I pray that as you hear these words you will receive it with understanding and with faith in your heart and you will believe it with the whole of your heart because resurrection happens sir. resurrection is not a mist or rather it's not a myth it's not something mystical it's not some mystery it's a historical event you can verify it archaeology can tell us how it happened praise the name of the Lord and you need to pay attention because for you it's not only a, a historical event it's a living reality it is something that empowers your Christian experience and so you need to understand what it means for you that Jesus died and that on the third day he was raised up from the dead what is resurrection all about and then we'll come back to this text to try and, to try and tie things up you know when it comes to napkins and, and linen. So the first thing we need to understand about resurrection is the fact that it's a replenishment strategy. We're going to start off from where we left off the last time about replenishment. John chapter 12 and verse 24, Bible says that except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, Bible says it brings forth much fruit unto itself. So resurrection is God's strategy to raise many sons unto himself. Without resurrection, Jesus would have been the only son of God. Albeit a 2,000 year old Jesus Christ. But that would not bring an extra son unto glory. It's a dead Jesus that was raised from the dead that can birth many sons coming into glory. So resurrection was beyond just raising disciples because we could have kept raising disciples and being fruitful and maybe we would have gotten to Jordan by now maybe Samaria raising disciples and increasing at that level but resurrection was his plan to ensure that the gates of hell do not prevail against the church because Matthew 16 and I'll tell you why Peter was the one that saw it because in Matthew 16 Jesus asked his disciples who do men say that I the son of man am and then they began to blab and say, oh, well, some say you're Jeremiah. Some say that you are, you know, Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. But who do you say that I am? And then Peter said, revelationally, actually, God bypassed his mind to put that in his spirit. How you receive revelation is with your spirit, man. That's how you receive revelation. You see, when you meditate, your mind is now dragged along with the reality of the spirit. So when you receive revelation, what you need to do is receive it in your spirit, but then meditate on it with your soul, with your mind. That's the way you can arrive at that experience of the revelation. You see, at that point, Peter only received that by faith in his spirit, that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, the implied meaning of that is that now you are ready to understand 
and accommodate and handle what it means to be the son of God. So Jesus began to tell them the meaning of being the son of God. So what did Jesus start telling them? He started saying that he will die and he will be raised from the dead. And then because Peter really never understood what he said. He started rebuking Jesus and saying, you will not die. You, you can never die. What do you mean that you will die? And then Jesus rebuked him and said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you have not suffered the things that are of God. Because what it means to be the son of God is that you will die and be raised from the dead. As a matter of fact, that revelation was still a covert mystery at the time. God revealed it, you know, at the time Jesus was getting baptized in Matthew 3, remember? God revealed it again, um, Matthew 17, when the transfiguration was happening to Elijah and uh, Moses, when the disciples were there, three of them, and then Jesus. And so it had never become a public statement that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. Resurrection was the public endorsement of Jesus as the Son of God. Resurrection was God saying that this thing that you guys have been doubting all this while, this is me endorsing him on the global scale. Jesus is my son. Resurrection was that coronation service. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. Bible says that he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. That was the public declaration of his identity as the son of God. And so Peter said that Jesus was the son of God but he didn't understand the meaning and that's what happens sometimes when you receive revelation in your spirit but you have not come into understanding by meditation so one moment he's blabbing revelation the other moment he's resisting the exact same thing he just mentioned one moment he's saying you are Jesus Christ the son of God do you understand what it means for him to be the first begotten that means he has to eventually die and bring many sons into glory because he's not just the only son he has to become the first begotten the first fruits that's the meaning of being the son of God but Peter didn't understand that so Peter seeing the full picture was God helping him come into that level of experience that he had received by faith in his spirit because he was the only one that dared say that Jesus is the son of God he was the only one that could actually handle the first sight of resurrection are we still together so like I said the first thing you need to understand is that resurrection is a replenishment strategy that's what happens the moment Jesus died he opened the bandwidth of acceptance that means you don't have to see Jesus hmm. You don't have to see Jesus to receive his life. He doesn't have to touch you like the widow or rather like the woman who had an issue of blood. You don't have to experience him physically. All you need to hear is a gospel about it. And then you're saved. Because it's a replenishment strategy. The next thing you need to understand about resurrection is the fact that resurrection is the only event that happens every time it's preached. Every single time resurrection is preached, resurrection happens. Oh dear, I need to say that a thousand times for you to understand what I just said. That resurrection is the only event that happens every single time it's preached. That was why the council of Sanhedrin council, that was why they were resisting that message. When this guy was alive, we didn't have this much problems. Now these guys are disciples of him and all they are doing is just preach a gospel. And 5,000 are getting saved. 3,000 are getting saved in two weeks. 8,000 member church. What is this thing? Stop speaking in the name of Jesus. Stop talking about resurrection. Can you stop saying this thing? Can you stop? 
up. It's too powerful. It's the power of resurrection. You see, the, the power of the gospel is resurrection. The power of God is the gospel. So, resurrection is the power of the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God. Do you understand what I just said? If you read 1 Corinthians 15, you get to understand why resurrection is the power of the gospel. If there is no resurrection, there is no meaning to our gospel. There is no sense to our gospel. What are we preaching? What are we saying that you be born again? What is the meaning of being born again? What, is, what, what does it mean? And so resurrection is the only event that happens every single time it's preached. And so when you preach it to a dead soul, a dead life, who had never encountered God and you just preach resurrection Jesus does not have to resurrect for that guy to be saved he just needs to believe what you have said about resurrection and his spirit will be quickened Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1 Bible says and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins where in time past you what you walked according to the cause of this world and you walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversations in the lust of the flesh, following the desires of our flesh and of our minds. We were by ourselves and by nature, the sons and the children of wrath, and so were others. But the Bible says, but God. Can you look at your neighbor and say, but God? No, you're not saying it like you mean it. Can you say, but God? God came to interfere and intervene and intrude on your course to hell. You were on your way to hell. Bible says, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he hath loved us. And what does it say next? Bible says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together. He quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And Bible says he didn't just quicken us together. He raised us up together with Christ. And he didn't just make us to raise up together with him. He made us to sit together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So every time resurrection is preached, resurrection happens. Every single time. That's why the Sanhedrin council were afraid. They didn't want this preaching to continue. Because once you can stop the preaching of resurrection, you can actually limit the power of resurrection. The power of resurrection is in its preaching. You see why it's no longer trendy to put up a message on your social media about how people should get saved and get born again. Because the devil wants to cloud that arena with shame. But thank God for Paul. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And the power of that gospel is the resurrection. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. To all them that believe first to the Jews and then to the Greeks. For inside the gospel is the power of God revealed. It is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Every time resurrection is preached, resurrection happens. People's hearts are turned onto the Lord. People are quickened from death and they are quickened back to life. The next thing you need to understand about resurrection is this. Resurrection is the first thing that happened to a believer. Hey! Imagine your experience as a believer. The first thing you are starting your journey with is resurrection. That is, you can't be a believer except you are resurrected with him. The 
the first thing happening to you is that you are resurrected, sir. You couldn't start your Christian experience without resurrection. This is why the believer has all the faith he needs in the world. Whatever faith you use to believe that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, you can use it to believe for any intervention in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Before you were born again, you had to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. So if Jesus was raised from the dead and you believed it, you believed in resurrection, there is no extra need for faith in your life. What you need is extra use of faith. Not extra need. So every, every time the apostles asked Jesus to increase, their, they were speaking out of unbelief, misunderstanding, ignorance. Because you can't believe in resurrection and lack faith. You can't be someone who believes in resurrection and lack faith. Your essence, the essence of your life is resurrection driven. You cannot be a Christian without being resurrected. You see what just happened in Ephesians 2. That was how you were born again. You were quickened. You were raised together with him. You were raised up together with him. And then you were raised to sit together. And you see the word together there is never without you. Not from henceforth. Not from henceforth. Together. Three times in two verses. Together. 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 So the next time a kidnapper catches you, they are the ones that were just kidnapped by the Holy Ghost. They are the ones that need to get into fear and trepidation. Because you are seated together with him. So when they kidnap you, they are not the ones that are in charge of the conversation. That's what they think. Because they don't understand that they just carried you together with Jesus Christ. And, and the place you are seated together with him. The Bible goes through the length and breadth of explaining it. It says, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come that is where you are seated together with him that is the place that is your perspective that's your vantage I'm sorry passion right and we had to turn off one of the ACs because of our gen and the load on it so that's why it's not as cool as it typically is so apologies for that amen so before I go ahead, I'd like to address our global audience, praise God. Because right now we are live on YouTube, on Facebook, Mixeller. Can we celebrate Jesus? We just got our video camera, it's streaming right now, praise God. Some weeks ago we didn't have it, now we have it. It was produced by faith, amen. Let's celebrate God once, once again, amen. Amen. Are we still together? The lady's smiling at me. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The power of resurrection is so, it's so dangerous. <laughs> it's so dangerous. What was the last point I mentioned about resurrection? Remind me. First thing. We move from resurrection to resurrection. That's how the word of God should be shocking you whenever you receive it in your spirit. Isn't it? You guys don't react like this when see that's how I read that's how I read the word. That's how I read the word. I'm reading the word and I'm like, hey, look at that. Can you see that? We move from resurrection to resurrection, end-to-end -end encryption. Ah resurrection to resurrection. Do you know what that means? You were sealed 
with the Holy Ghost of promise. The moment you got saved, you were sealed. You were sealed. You were sealed, secured, guaranteed and assured of your destination before you started the journey. Resurrection to resurrection. You were raised from the dead with the hope that whatever happens in this life, there is something called resurrection that is still pending. I may have received the first fruit of resurrection, but there is another fruit of resurrection that is still pending. For everyone who is a saint, who is a believer, there is a pending resurrection. There is a pending one. It's organized, it's reserved. Uh, if, if you watched Pastor Peace's status yesterday, how he was talking about today's service, reserved in heaven for me by the resurrection from the dead. End to end encryption. You move from resurrection to resurrection. That's the power of resurrection. That's what it does. Our Christian experience begins when he finished. When he finished, that's when I started. That is why his own napkin was wrapped and put together. He's done. He's finished. The linen begins its work. I'll get there eventually. You need to understand that. It's from resurrection. It's resurrection. Another powerful thing you need to understand about resurrection is this. There is a bridge between where you are and resurrection. It's called Gethsemane. It's called Gethsemane. If you will say yes to his will, he will say yes to your resurrection. Ah, His will may not always be palatable. It may not always be exciting. But if you will say yes to his will, he will say yes to your resurrection. The challenge is that we have gotten so comfortable with our will. Ah, If you will say yes to his will, he will say yes to your resurrection. Resurrection only leaves in a veil beyond death. No man could be resurrected without first dying. Your choice to stay alive is your decision against resurrection. So you want to stay alive, you want to keep it comfortable and, and okay and fine. It's okay, God will, have you, God will allow you to have that kind of luxury. But don't ask for resurrection life if you're not willing to pass through the gateway of Gethsemane. If you're not willing to pass through the gateway of the cross and of death, don't ask for that. Don't ask for it. You see, the truth is that some people experience the power of resurrection while here. They are Christians, you see, but they are still attempting to apprehend that essence of resurrection in their mortal bodies before they even experience the last kind of resurrection. But you see, there are some people that will never be able to experience it because once they get born again, they become tied to comfort zones. And remember what Victor was saying earlier today? you're not willing to burn and hope that he will be with you in it then there's no point serving him you will have to go through that phase in your life where you would literally have to choose a better resurrection over and above your staying alive bible says in hebrews chapter 11 verse 35 i believe bible says by faith the women they received their dead back to life but there was another set of people bible says they were tortured they were they, they were tortured but bible says that they refused deliverance they refused deliverance because they saw something better than deliverance ah, what can be better than deliverance it's called resurrection but only those who are willing to die ever experience it resurrection is only possible within the context of death if you are not willing to die you cannot be resurrected from the dead this is why some fathers and some stalwart believers experience the kind of glory they experience on earth because they already chose death 
but they understand that there was a reality beyond death. It's called resurrection. The challenge with a lot of us is that we believe that death is the end. We, we, we think death is the end. That after death, nothing else. Resurrection comes to tell us that there is an option B. In death, there is something called resurrection. So when God tells you to leave that job that he ordained for you to start something else that may initially be very challenging and you'll be broke like, what is the brokest thing in the world? All right? You'll be so broke and that's the death you're staring in the face but that's the only path to billions but you see you rather choose a few thousands of naira 90,000 at least it's comfortable it's visible it's predictable I can understand it at least it will keep body and soul together that's why your spirit will never be energized because it's body and soul you're always trying to keep together when God is asking you to enter into the realm of resurrection but that resurrection will never happen until you choose death and you choose death in gets a man that's why you choose death you enter to get a man, hoping that God will accept your negotiation terms. Say that you should go back, don't worry, you don't have to take the cup. But get a money ends with not my will. If you leave with another answer, it was not get a man you entered. It was Domino Pizza you entered, not get a man. Get a man does not end with let your will, oh son, be done. No. It's the Father's will that gets done in get a man, not your will. That's the only path to resurrection. So if you will say yes to his will, he will say yes to your resurrection. Because he will not leave your body to see corruption in hell. Having chosen his will above your comfort, he can't deny himself. Can you trust him to raise you from the dead? Can you trust him? That's the real challenge. You, you choose his will. Imagine you ask someone to follow you. This is why the soldiers have a code of honor in their, in their camps. Because the general tells a commandant or a soldier, follow me into war. He cannot look to preserve his own self at the expense of that person. That person is following him based on a trust for him. So even when he is secured and guaranteed safety, and one of his soldiers is back there in war front, he will risk his life to enter there to get that guy out. That's the code. Because that person didn't go on his own orders. He went on the general's order. And so if you will say yes to his will, God forbid I will leave your soul in hell to see corruption. God forbid. If you will leave what is comfortable to follow what he says you should do based on his ordained counsel for your life, there is no way under heaven he will leave your soul to see corruption. Shame will never be part of your life again. He will raise you from the dead. That's what he will do. And that's what those who experience resurrection do. They refuse deliverance. So your father will say, I have something for you. Your uncle will say, come and start this thing with me. You will see opportunities to be delivered. If you have not rejected deliverance, you are not ready yet. You will see opportunity to be delivered. And God will say, that's not the path to resurrection. Be delivered, but that's the end of it. That's the end. You can't see the resurrection that way. He will say yes to his will. He can't say no to your resurrection. He can't. Are you still with me? Resurrection is always better. Resurrection is the only viable possibility beyond death. If you can believe in resurrection, you can believe anything. 
the way to resurrection is getting man. This is why every believer has got faith. The measure of faith required to believe in resurrection is enough to secure any form of intervention. Resurrection does not restore you to the life you used to have. It restores you to a higher life. Nine people died in scripture apart from Jesus. All of them died again. You didn't hear what I just said. Nine people in the entire canon of scripture died and were raised from the dead. All the nine died initially and then were raised from the dead by some power, by some apostolic prophetic power. But all of them died again. All of them. Because that's not the kind of resurrection God quickens you into. But there is a resurrection. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this resurrection. Thank you for this resurrection. Can you pray in your spirit for underneath your breath for the next couple of minutes? And thank God for this grade of resurrection. And thank him. Thank him. Thank him for this grade of resurrection. It's, it's, it's dangerous. It's, it's dangerous in the camp of the enemy. The devil does not understand this kind of resurrection. He doesn't understand it. You'll be raised and never to die? What's the meaning of that? It's called the power of resurrection. Every single person that was raised from the dead, they died again after some time. But there is a kind of resurrection that never dies again. He was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, raised up to life, never to die. Revelations 1.18, Jesus speaking, began to introduce himself. He said, I am he that was dead. But the Bible says, I am alive forevermore. And he says, I am the real Anikulapo. I have the keys of hell and death. People calling themselves that, they don't understand the meaning. Didn't they still die? But there is one that has in his pouch the keys. Even the devil's domot, he does not have the key to it. Jesus does. Jesus does. He has the key to the devil's garage. The keys of hell and of death, Jesus has it. Because he conquered death inside hell. In their territory, he flogged them. H2. I will not say anything. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. What do we learn from there? Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in hell. Kai. It doesn't just restore you to the kind of life you had before. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, what did he do? He was flying through walls and just appearing to disappear. That was the kind of body he now had, supernatural body. It's not the same kind of, because when Lazarus was raised from the dead, it's the same body he had. That was why he had to die again after some time, because it was the same life that he had before he died and was raised, that he still possessed, even after he was raised from the dead. But there is something called the power of resurrection. So the moment you were quickened together with him, the kind of life you used to live before cannot afford to have a hold on you anymore. You have been raised to a whole new life. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man is inside Christ, resurrected from the dead, he is a brand new species of creation that has never existed before. All things are dead and passed away. Behold, all things have become near. This is why somebody who could not live without masturbation before, someone who could not live without pornography before, someone who could not live without sex before, someone who could not live without booze and smokings and stuff, can now be clean forever, not just for some time, forever. Because resurrection has happened to him. 
His appetites have changed. He's no longer following the cause of this world. He's no longer following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that works in the children of disobedience, his cause has been redirected. He is now on a new path. He has been translated from the kingdom of darkness. Translated. Because if all you were doing is being transported, it's still the same you that landed in this new location. But when you are translated, you change location and you change formation. You are not the same person. You were translated. So anyone looking for you in your new domain can't find you. you that person that they are looking for does not exist again. It does not exist where it used to be. It does not exist where you are now. It has been erased forever. I don't understand it. That old man, you can't find it again. You can't find it in the devil's domain. You can't find it in God's domain. Where is it? Dead. Forever. You can awake it. Alright. You, you can visit graveyards. And begin to evoke dead things. Don't be like Saul. Don't go to the witch of Endor. It's vomited. It's forgotten. It's dead. It's banished. Why visit it again? So every time you go back to your vomit, you are visiting a graveyard, cutting yourself with stones like that madman of Gadara. Don't do that. There is a new life you have been called into. The Bible says, awake unto righteousness and sin not. Sin not. That terrain does not accommodate sin. It's called the domain of righteousness the domain of righteousness it does not accommodate sin that's what resurrection can do there is a holy pride in resurrected beings how can a resurrected person be subject to the beggarly element of this world how can a resurrected being that has power over life and over death be behaving as if sin still has hold over him how can you still be paying how can you still be receiving wages from sin And you still be receiving wages. You are working for sin by masturbating, by doing all of those things. At the end of the day, it pays you a few, a few shillings of death. Death is at every level. Resurrection is at every level. And so you, you pay, you work so hard for sin. At the end of the day, it pays you some dollars of death because the wages of sin is death. But thank God, thank God that scripture didn't end there. He says the gift of God is eternal life. And you can cash on that life now. Now. Shout at your neighbor. Say now. Right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Right now you can, you can, you can finish and give the job of masturbation an uppercut. Get out of my life right now. Right now. Right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right now. Don't wait. Right now. You are a brand new person. Stop subjecting yourself. It's called beggarly. Can you imagine yourself being a beggar? Beggarly elements of this world. Everyone who sings who is a believer is an ignorant person waiting for education. That's it. If you really knew, you can't. You can't allow your body to allow sin dominate on it. No longer shall sin have dominion over you. For you are no longer under the law. Where sin is strengthened, for the strength of sin is the law. But you are under grace where righteousness prevails. You are under grace. 
under grace. Ah, are you still here? Are you still here with me, guys? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Woo! So resurrection does not restore you to your former life. It's a whole new kind of life. Somebody was asking. <laughs> I like the way Paul writes sometimes. He's, he's, he's writing and he's, he's imagining your question as, as he's writing. So he was writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15. By the way, after this service, you should go and read 1 Corinthians 15 and the entire book of Hebrews. Everything. And also because you are a he or you are a she, you won't eat, read, read Hebrews. Read Hebrews, even though it's called Hebrews. See, Cephas is clapping for me. I, I try. It's some spoken word bars right there. Amen. It's Hebrews, but a she too. It was written to you. Praise God. So read the entire book of Hebrews and read 1 Corinthians 15. Your mind will be blown in a good way. Praise God. Bible talks about how the Paul was writing to them and he was saying that, guys, what is wrong with you? What, do, what have you come to believe? If there's no resurrection, there's no point to what I'm doing. That means I'm fight, fighting the beast of Ephesus in vain. I'm risking my life every day, going through hunger and dissatisfaction and necessities. All of that in vain? Do you not see how far-reaching the reality of resurrection is? It, it, oh God. it brings to naught if it if resurrection does not exist, it brings to naught everything you have always believed. Everything you have always believed is hinged on the reality of resurrection. If resurrection does not exist, there is no point in anything we do. This is why verse, what was that verse that we read? Victory at the last workers' prayer meeting. First Corinthians 15, what? 58, right? Be therefore steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that none of your labor in Christ, because there's resurrection, is in vain. The entire chapter is about resurrection. It ends with that verse. That verse must be put in the context of resurrection. Without resurrection, there's no point coming to church. There's no point paying your tithe. There's no point reading your Bible. There's absolutely no point. Paul summarizes that and said, let us eat in Dominus today. We drink away. Where do you drink? In Cabana tomorrow. And then we die. There's no point. So he begins to write and he says, some of you are even asking me that, if there's resurrection, which body will the resurrected body come in? He said, oh fool. Ah, but nobody asked you, Paul. He's angry. <laughs> you know, some of our parents behave like that. Are you, are you thinking of replying me? And they slap you for a thought. That's because you thought. They can see the way your eye twitched. I said, ah! Lady, offend not me. Offend not me. Uh-uh. I have not said anything now. Oh, so how can you say I want to beat you? I'm just standing here waiting and listening to you. You say, offend not me. Me, no, he's a... Me, no, he. So Paul, like a river man, he begins to write and he says, oh, fool. Ah, but nobody asked him. Maybe you should read it so you understand. Where is it? Thank you. Verse 35. Let's start from there. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? <laughs> some man will say, an assumptuous man. Verse 36 says, thou fool. But nobody, nobody asked Paul. He was so angry. The Bible says, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. Oh dear. It's not quickened except it die. Let's read verse 44. Verse 44, quickly. Hi. Praise God. Hallelujah. Read from verse 41. Verse 42. Hallelujah. I've gotten there. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. 
it is shown in weakness it is raised in power oh dear it is shown in natural body I'll rather replace spiritual with supernatural it is raised with a supernatural body so people say all men cheat not the men from where I come from not the men from where I come from we have a supernatural body sir not the men from where I come from no that's the truth people will bombard you with philosophies that are not consistent with your heritage you have to keep bombarding them with the reality of the gospel I'm resurrected sir I respond to a new order after the order of Melchizedek endless life endless it is sown in corruption raised in corruption sown in dishonor raised in glory sown in weakness raised in power sown in natural body raised supernatural body flowing through walls appearing to disappear after the order of the resurrection praise the name of the Lord Oh, can you just celebrate Jesus? Celebrate Jesus. Are we still together? We're on number six, isn't it? You have lost count. You are not numbering again. You know the beautiful thing about resurrection again? Everything you throw at it to stop it promotes it. Resurrected people are dangerous people. You can't stop them. How do you stop resurrection? How? You tell four quartet of soldiers to go and guard the place and stop resurrection from happening? That's how you want to stop it. Guess what? That's the only proof that resurrection happened. The exact same thing that was thrown at resurrection to stop it from happening. That was what proves it till forever that there were eyewitnesses to resurrection. Every other person is a believer of resurrection. Those soldiers, they were eyewitnesses. They saw it. After seeing it, they fell as dead men. Because resurrection happened in their very korokoro eyes. What the king and the Sahandrian council, what they designed to stop the propagation of the resurrection message was the exact proof that God needed. This is the eyewitness proof. Take it to court. It's provable. These guys saw it. They saw it. They saw resurrection happen. So listen, because you are born after the order of resurrection, nothing can stop you. You need to believe that with all your heart because your first event as a believer was resurrection. Your first event, what you experienced first, you didn't grow into resurrection. You began your journey with resurrection. You are unstoppable, sir. Nothing you put your heart to do can be withheld from you because no man can stop resurrection. You can't stop it. Everything you throw at resurrection, he uses it as a tool for advancement. Everything. So they thought they were burying us. They didn't know they were planting us. You see, that's how resurrection behaves. Everything that is thrown at you as an obstacle, a hindrance, you use it as a tool of advancement, a tool, a springboard into your next level. Hallelujah. Had the princes of this world known, they would not have. They would just left Jesus alone. 2,000 year old Jesus can do nobody no harm. He will give healing and healing and healing and healing, but he will never be able to get any human being saved. 
Only a resurrected Jesus can do that. For before a testament can become a force, there is a necessity for the death of the testator. So a living Jesus that never dies and raised from the dead cannot do anybody anything good. It will be, you have to travel to Jerusalem now and queue, the queue will be so long by this time. Imagine how long the queue to see Jesus will be. But glory to God, I can believe God in the corner of my room. If you're watching me right now, you believe right now. You're quickened from the dead right now. You can lay hands on your mother that is sick and she'll get healed right now. For the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. And I speak by the spirit right now. Say, I just got saved two weeks ago. You can raise the dead today. You can. It's the foretaste of the things to come. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ shall quicken your mortal body. So you can enjoy resurrection on an instrumental basis. Before resurrection happens, you can be enjoying some benefits of resurrection. Sound health is a benefit of resurrection. It's a benefit. In view of resurrection, have some of it. I just have a little bit of it. Have a taste of resurrection. In sound health, in sound finances, in soundness of mind, have a taste of resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So everything you try to use to stop resurrection is what resurrection was waiting for. becomes so powerful ah and it's funny how you can't interact with the word and still need extra motivation any kind of motivation apart from God what is demotivation because he raises you to the highest level the word of God already carries you to the zenith of inspiration and then you need extra motivation that is apart from the word it's demotivation sir it's demotivation because nothing can match the power of the word this is why we read the word and we meditate and we get preached at like I'm doing right now, preaching at you. You go on a Monday morning excited, ready to take the world by storm because you are carrying resurrection in your mortal bodies. God, glory to God. Lastly, resurrection is never in a hurry. Glory to God. Do you know what that means? Resurrection is never in a hurry because time has no hold on him. You are in a hurry because you think that after a certain time, the capacity of resurrection would have diminished. So Matthew is saying, if you had come earlier, if you were not late, now my brother will still be alive. But now that you are later than the time I had scheduled within which if you had shown up, you could have solved the situation. Now that you have arrived later than that time, you are now late. Resurrection is never in a hurry, sir. You can't hurry resurrection up. Bible says because God loved him, because Jesus loved Lazarus and his two sisters, he waited three more days. Resurrection is never in a hurry. Can you imagine that having been raised from the dead, just imagine in that tomb right there, Jesus was raised from the dead. There was scatterings and the, the stone was rolled away. And the next thing you see Jesus do is wrap a napkin. Such level of poise and class. He was not in a hurry to go and tell Pilate, do you believe now? Do you believe I'm the son of God now? He didn't go back to those soldiers that were casting lots. You were the one that stoned me the other time. He didn't go back to the one that gave him vinegar and say, you, oh, real, real, fuck, fuck, Amen. He didn't say that. 
he, he had the composure, the class, the, the, the timelessness. Timeless. That was a timeless moment. After resurrection, he had the duty of care to wrap the napkin around his head and put it on one side. You, you, you should visit the resurrection spot and see everything scattered. It happened, it happened. Everywhere scattered. Everything is, the, the tomb is now up. The, the, you understand? Everything is just scattered because resurrection happened. But not Jesus' tomb. It was still neat. Resurrection happened there and everything was still looking chassis. Resurrection. He that believes will not make haste. Haste is a sign of unbelief. If you understand that you carry resurrection within you, you will never be in a hurry about anything. Let me ask her out now. So because the window of opportunity can, can leave now. Let me ask her out now. He that believes will not be in a hurry. Yeah. Isaiah 28 verse 16. It's in your Bible. He that believes will not make haste. Tunde, is that word for you? You look, ah! Iwani! <laughs> Tunde look like, ah! Oroyabami! Two more years, you wait. Amen. I didn't say that by the spirit, though, please. Don't, don't quote me. I'll be the last thing by the spirit. Maybe you need to judge it. <laughs> right? He that believes will not make haste. So three days later, Jesus showed up. And they looked at him and said, you came late. <laughs> the resurrection never comes late. Don't you understand? Resurrection is timeless. I am the resurrection and life. He that believes on me shall never die. And though he dies, he will raise again. John 11, 25. Resurrection is timeless. So listen, they have cheated you for 10 years. Yes, it's okay. Resurrection is timeless. One day of resurrection, 10 years of agony, pain, and shame can be restored. One day. Haven't you seen people who were barren for 10 years and one day, triplets? How? It's the power of resurrection. It can restore in multiple fold that time cannot afford. He will restore it. He will restore it. So receive this word by the Spirit. He will restore you again. He will restore you. It doesn't matter how far gone into hell you have been. You see, resurrection thrives in hell. It doesn't matter how far gone into hell you have been. You've been in this hell of depression, hell of financial bankruptcy, hell of several things that you may never be able to wrap your head around. One day of resurrection is enough. One day of resurrection is enough. He will restore you. He will restore you. And I speak to that lady right there. He will restore you. Praise God. He will. He will. He will. He will. Say amen as I'm saying it. He will. He will. Don't be embarrassed. He will restore you. That's the word of the Lord unto you right now. He will restore you. Everything the locusts and the cancombs and the caterpillars have taken away from you. The Bible tells me that he will restore. And prophetically by the spirit I tell you right now. He will restore it. He will restore it. And the response to such prophetic word is joy. That's the response to such prophetic word. It's joy. He restores. Resurrection restores. Can you imagine somebody's rest from the dead? Kidney that caused him to die is no longer there. He's inconsequential. He's restored to a higher life than what the former life he had before the sickness. He's restored to a higher life than it. He restores. Doesn't matter what you've gone through. Resurrection can restore. Bible says, underneath you are his everlasting arms. That means you can never fall beneath his hand. You can't fall beneath his reach. You can't fall beneath his capacity to withdraw you, retrieve you, receive you into his arms. You can't fall beneath it. Fall as hard as you want to fall. He will restore you. Fall as hard. Fall as hard. He will restore you. 
Resurrection is never in a hurry. Never in a hurry. Now let's go back to the text. John chapter 20. Have your seats. Let's go back to the text. Bible says, remember I talked about, I started by saying Mary had a revelation. Partial. John had a revelation. Partial. But Peter saw the full picture. What's the full picture about? Hopefully in the next few minutes I'll be able to wrap that up. And then you understand why it's called napkins and linen. So they show up at the resurrection spot and they see napkin wrapped by itself, placed in one corner, and then linen. Why didn't Jesus wrap the linen? Have you ever asked that? Why did he not wrap the linen? Why didn't he wrap the linen and put it beside the napkin? After all, we are seated together. By the way, the napkin represents his head. Because that what is that was used to wrap his head. It was not the same material used to wrap his body. It was linen that was used to wrap his body. So he took his own napkin, wrapped it neatly and put it on one side. And left the linen on the ground. And you, you wonder, why didn't he wrap the linen? Because where he finished, we start. We are the church. The linen is the church. The linen is the church. Pastor Inka was sharing with us the other day on Thursday how that we see Jesus. Bible says you have put all things under his feet. And he says when it comes to subjecting all things under his feet, Hebrews chapter 2, I believe from verse 14 there about, when it comes to subjecting all things under his feet, you did not spare anything from being put under his feet. But even right now, in the reality of what's going on in the world, we don't see all things under the feet of Jesus. We don't see all things under his feet. But the Bible says we see Jesus. Who says we see Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, I believe from verse 11, begins to say that every priest stands daily ministering, oftentimes the same, same offering, which can never take away sins. But this one man, Jesus Christ, shows up in the scene, and by the sacrifice of one man, he, he, he finishes what the priest and all the Levitical order of priesthood could not achieve. For by one sacrifice, he banished sin and its consequences forever. Bible says, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. And you wonder, what is Jesus still expecting, having been raised from the dead? The napkin is connected to the linen, even though they are separated in essence. So the napkin is raised up together with the linen in terms of the spiritual essence of what has happened. So right now that we are on earth, we are raised up together with him. We are seated with him in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and dominion and might. And everything that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Fantastic. But we are not in heaven. We are on earth. So he leaves us here to start and propagate the work that he has finished. There is nothing God wants to do that he has not already done in Christ. Everything he will now do on earth are the things that the church begins to propagate. This is why God, Jesus, still has an expectation. You would expect that having finished, what is he still expecting? He's expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Where is the foot? It's part of the body, not the head. The head is expecting the body to ensure victory over the enemies of Jesus Christ. So, so what we see is that the napkin is the authority of the linen. The linen is the capacity of the napkin. If the linen do not stand in the authority of Christ, they will not advance the kingdom like the napkin ordained. Because when he says, I will build my church, he died after saying that. So who is the person building it? Who is the person building it? When he said, I will build my church, the next thing was they began to prophesy about his death. So who was going to advance that, that kingdom? Who was going to advance that church? Who was going to advance it? By the revelation of resurrection, we advance. 
we advance the kingdom of the Christ on earth and ensure that all things are subjected under his feet. We are the ones to execute on that mandate. The church. We are the ones that fills all things in all things. He has done what he can. He's wrapped already. He's finished. He's seated. He's not going to stand up for anybody. But the church is on the ground. I like the fact that the linen didn't become another material just because it hit the ground. So the, the linen was not soiled by the ground. The linen purifies the ground. Because the Bible talks about how that the linen is the righteousness of the saints. Stop getting afraid of contamination. Contamination should be afraid of your purification. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't be afraid of contamination. Say if, I, if I go to the marketplace and I'm, and I'm an entertainer, you know, they will corrupt me. You are stronger than 10,000 sinful men in that industry. You, your spirit is stronger. Your spirit is stronger. Your spirit is stronger. So go into every sphere of human influence and begin to purify the systems. This is what the napkin is waiting for, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 17. I pray that he has of your understanding, be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of God's power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power that he rose in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead for above principalities and powers and dominion and might and every name that is named. Not only in this world but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and has made him to be head over all things even to the church which is his body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. So the church is the fullness of him. So if the church is not spreading, Christ is not spreading. If the church is not infiltrating and propagating and proliferating and dom you know, having dominion and converting souls, Christ is not having any of it either. So he is full through the church. It is through the church he gains dominion. It is through the church he gains dominion. It is through the church he gains dominion. So guess what? For the last several years, the church wrapped themselves and put themselves beside the napkin. And say, where the napkin is, there we must also be. Yes, he said so. He said, where I go, you will come and join me. But right now, you are here. In this life, you will face tribulations. Yes, you are here right now. Your affection set it above. But your devotion set it here. And be propagating the kingdom of God on earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so stop wrapping yourself and putting yourself beside the napkin saying, oh, we are waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. While you are waiting, there's something called occupation. Occupy, occupy, occupy till he comes. Occupy till he comes. Occupy till he comes. Stop giving lame excuses for not being a ready ambassador for the kingdom of God. Stop giving lame excuses. So the napkin is wrapped because he's finished his job. But your job begins where he finished. That is why he didn't wrap you because you're not done yet. Rise to your feet right now. Shila Frede Kusta Ebro You need to understand that the church is in need of prayers right now. So we're going to be holding our hands and we're going to be praying fervently in tongues. So you hold your neighbor by the elbow. Yeah, hold your neighbor by the elbow. Yes, you knock. Oh, what's the word? You, whatever it is. I don't know if there's a word for it, but then. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, we're going to be praying in tongues rapidly, fast, loud and hard. For the next five minutes, we're going to be praying for the church. That in the name of Jesus, we rise in stature. We rise in posture. We rise in measure of the fullness of Christ. We enter into the dimensions that, that has been ordained for us by God. We're not going to be wrapped linens. We're not going to be wrapped linens.
heavens were put on the ground for a reason. The earth is our domain. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Enough of putting ourselves in the salt shakers. We rise in dominion. We rise in dominion. We rise in dominion. We rise in dominion. We are not afraid to enter industries. We are not afraid to enter economies. We are not afraid to enter markets. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. Can you do some praying this morning? Can you do some praying this morning? Can you do some praying this morning? Can you do some praying? Do some praying this morning. Until we come to the fullness of his reality. Until we apprehend that for which we were apprehended. Until we come to the unity of faith. Until we come to the unity of faith. Until we come to the unity of faith. Jesus did not die in vain. The church begins where he left off. The church begins where he left off. Based on the resurrection. Based on the revelation of resurrection. We advance the kingdom of Jesus. We advance the kingdom of God. We build this church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail. We replenish at the rate that diminishing cannot catch up with. for Easter services all we talk about is the fact that yes Jesus died and he was he died for you and now you're you're born again and then you're you're heaven bound we fail to realize that there is a church component to resurrection it was not only the napkin that was found in the grave the linen was there and the linen was on the ground about to start work and then what we see is we wrap the linen and put it beside the napkin immediately the napkin and the linen are connected it's not by putting the side by side that you connect them. They are connected. It's the same life in the head that is flowing through the body. But you put that separation so you understand context of relevance. Your context of relevance is domiciled here on earth. The terrestrial earth. So you are, you are left on the ground for a purpose. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He's done what he can and he's seated at the right hand of God in majesty. So the linen he uses the authority of the napkin. The napkin is waiting on the expansion by the church. We are his capacity. We are the fullness of him that feels all in all. So the more we feel, the more he's excited. We are feeling all things in all things. All things will be subjected under his feet and we execute that mandate because we are his body. The fullness of him 
that fills all in all. This is what Paul understood in Philippians chapter 3. Having written Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Philippians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 10. He says that I still may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. What is it about resurrection? You can't know it enough. You can't know it enough. You can't know it enough. So after service today, go to those scriptures I quoted. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. Go to Hebrews 2, Hebrews 10. Go to those scriptures and understand the meaning of resurrection it's not just for you to glory and get excited do something about it he finished so you can start Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, Father, for answered prayers today. Thank you for such a deluge of utterance. We thank you, Father, because we know that every single one under the sound of my voice is blessed, edified, strengthened, encouraged, empowered, and liberated by the power of your spoken word. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. You can't rejoice enough on a day like this. Can you rejoice? Hallelujah! Glory to God forever. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Parkwing Tribe.